Welcome to the On Deck Circle. I'm Michael Levitt with Adam Rosen. Adam, it's good to be back, isn't it? It is very good to be back. How are you, Michael? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, excited to be back on campus for a little bit. Um, you know, it's kind of upsetting that there's no baseball. Really not much that's happening at all because the owners are greedy. So, um, feels weird. Definitely weird. There's no baseball. Yeah, I know. And, like, there's no signings at all happening except for minor league stuff. But, like, you know, there's a little bit, like... Nothing is happening at all, except for minor league signings, unfortunate passings, a pl- few players retired, and um, dumb Hall of Fame ballots coming out. And coaching staffs getting filled out. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which we'll talk a little bit more about later. So if you... Lockout is still ongoing. Do you think there's been any progress made? No, there literally hasn't been. Because the last time they tried to meet, nothing happened. They stopped. It was that last week, two weeks ago. I don't know. I feel like there's been some progress, though. Because, I mean, yeah, the league made a proposal January 13th, which was the first proposal on the major economic issue since the lockout started, which their proposal disappointed the Players Association, but now Players Association is reportedly working on a counterproposal. That would probably be... Um, they would give to the league, make the proposal within the next week. Um, so, I mean, at least there's some communication going on. Well, I mean, still probably not much progress, but they're at least communicating with each other, which I think is a good sign. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's progress because, I mean, it's the smallest amount of progress you could possibly make because it's one... They, after a month and a half of not talking to each other, they finally talked, and then nothing happened. It's just sad. Oh, it is sad, and you would think that they would... Kind of funny. I would hope they would be able to get a deal done so the season doesn't get pushed back. I highly doubt it. Oh, I, I do too, but one can hope. Hope that kills you. Just kidding. Just kidding. This is not Ted Lasso. Um... That's not a spoiler. If you haven't seen it, that's not a spoiler, guys. It's a quote from a, a late episode in the last in the first season. So that's your fault if you haven't seen it yet. Ha 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 ha. Well, ha ha. I'm terrible. Anyways, so a couple retirements in baseball this year. John. Yeah, I know you're you're really sad about one Let's of talk them. Talk about Kyle Seager first, because then I'll get sad. Yeah. So Kyle Seager, only thirty. Well, not only, but for. 34 years old. So he's, I mean, he could he could have played another few years if he wanted to, I feel like. To. Yeah, me too. Um, became a free agent after the Mariners declined his option. I mean, he was with them his whole career. So I think that might have – he wanted to be with them his whole career, and I, they might not have wanted to bring him back. I feel like that that's probably part of it. Yeah. Because I feel I, – I'm guessing he had offers from other teams, especially after the year he had this past year. He had um, – had 35 homers, 101 RBIs. I mean, he, you can argue, I mean, he's probably one of the best Mariners hitters of all time, you can argue. Definitely top 10, yeah. I would say. Um, I mean, he's fourth in the franchise history in games played, hits, home runs, and RBI, and is third in franchise history in doubles. Not only that, but look how consistent he was. I mean, he... He had at least a league average OPS plus every year from 2012 to 21, except 2018. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that he just decided to retire. You know, I feel like he could have gone another. He had a pretty solid season last year. I feel like he wanted to be with family, too, I yeah. think is, is a good part of it. And go be with his brother down in Texas. Which brother, though? Because he has a second one as well. He does? Yeah, what? Justin Seeger. What? That's news to me. I believe he play he I believe he played minor league ball, if I remember correctly. That is news to me. But yeah, he had a pretty he had a decent year last year, so it's kind of shocking. I thought yeah. someone would have picked him up. I mean, part of it might be that he didn't necessarily want to wait through a lockout. 
That I mean, that I, I don't know. There's a lot of theory or possibilities of what happened. I mean, errors why to why he retired, but I mean, when it's all said and done, he did retire. I mean, there it doesn't really matter the reason why. Do we know if he retired? Are you sure about that? <laughs> maybe it's just a lie. Maybe we're living in a different. Maybe we're. Li- I don't know what's wrong with me. Don't ask. Don't know it. Never mind. Anyways, I don't know. Pretty. In- it's pretty unfortunate for because I really liked watching him, but. You know, we're ha- ha- I'm happy for him. Hats yeah. off, or caps off, I guess. Or cleats off, or gloves off. Let's moving on. John Lester retired, and I'm sad because he retired a Cardinal because the records are greedy. They chose, well, we didn't start the season with them. They chose Jake Arrieta over bringing back bum Jake Arrieta. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be honest. Bum Jake Arrieta over. Um, not nearly as bad, John Lester. Because and then let Lester get his two hundredth win else with Nat Washington, or I think. I be- no, he ended with exactly two hundred. He got it as a Cardinal, I believe. Okay, well he got his two hundredth <laughs> win not in a Cubs uniform. Let alone making it even worse, it was a Cardinals uniform. And technically, he retired as a Cardinal, and that tr- makes me sick. Maybe- well, he wasn't with the Cubs his whole career prior to this year. I don't care. He should have been retired as a Cub or a Red Sox. I think he he was with the Red Sox for even longer than well, Cubs. Well, I'm, you know my point. You get him. You get what I'm saying. He should have retired. It's a it's a it's a shame that he didn't get to retire as a Cub or a Red Sox. Red Sox. Yeah. But nah. Let's bring back Bum Jake Arrieta instead, right? For more money. Like yeah. <laughs> twice the amount of money. It's sad. Oh, it is. Sad. The, the Cubs should have kept him around. Ridiculous. Jake was horrible last year. Arguably the worst pitcher in baseball last year starting. Arguably. Not only with the Cubs, either. So sad. So sad. I'm not... You no, know, I'm still mad about it. You know what? No one's going no to make me not mad about it. Lester had a good career, though. You'd agree. I don't blame him for retiring at this point, honestly. I mean, his, his last few years haven't... He he he's gotten a little worse, but he's still he's still at least a a decent starting pitcher at this yeah, point. I mean, Back end of the rotation. He get worse, but he was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, was an All Star five times in his career. He's a Hall of Famer in my book, especially because of the postseason. See, I think the postseason helps his case a bit. I still don't know that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Is- he was very good. I don't. I don't know that he was but one of the best players, though. It's not always about what his stats. They're gonna look at what he his the, his his na, what is it, narratives because that's in part of it. And you have to admit that. That's a fact. This is what he did. He ended helped break two curses, changed uh, helped change uh, the story of two or franchises that are beloved and historic. Well, no, they had, they won in '04 with him before. On the he was not on the roster. He came up in 06. I'm stupid, then. Um, well, he I, won with Boston in 07 and 13. He's still a part of two teams that are historic, beloved, and beloved. He helped the Red Sox become a kind of a dynasty for a little bit. And he also broke help. The, was the ch- official marker of changing the Cubs as a franchise forever. So, yeah. And he's undoubtedly one of the best postseason pitchers ever. I would say he's up there, yeah. He's 100% one of the best pitchers ever in the postseason. I, I think he has the lowest career postseason ERA for anyone with at least 150 innings. But the thing is, there's only nine p- p- pitchers who have at least 150 postseason innings. Well, that says enough on, that says something on its own. And they're basically all recent guys. Yes, I mean, he was, he was in the postseason nine different seasons. That says a lot. Oh, I know. Though that's not necessarily, I mean, a player can make the postseason nine... I mean, a lot, and just sort of be a, like, I mean, they don't necessarily have to play a part, a key role in it. He did for most of them, I would say. A good number of them, I think he did. Well, that's just the truth. He is one of the best postseason pitchers ever. That is a pretty much a fact. And I think that he deserves that respect. He at least deserves to have a, sh- a good chance at the ballot in five years. I mean, he'll be on the ballot, yeah. He should get a 
absolutely be stay on the ballot for a while. I think at least a, a few years, yeah. I don't know. I feel, I feel like he's sort of comparable to Mark Burley. Sort of like a, a better version of Mark Burley. Way better. So, someone who is, someone who is um, dependable was through, pitched like 200 innings every year. Had a decent ERA around, I mean, between 350 and 4. Nothing special. Um, Mark Burley. I mean, also, I mean... Burley has a no-hitter in a perfect game. Lester was great in the postseason. I mean, I don't he know has which a no-hitter. What? No, Lester has a no-hitter. That's true. He, he does have that too. He should have had a Cy Young. He was should have He had doesn't a... though. I know. He should. I don't know. I feel like you can make the case for him to be in the Hall of Fame. I just think if if the Hall of Fame is supposed to be the very best players, he really shouldn't be in. Neither should Errol Baines. That's true. Harold Baines being in it is a crime. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are in who probably shouldn't be. So I guess now on to um, our next topic before we go to a break. There were a few different deaths that we want to talk about. Or not want to talk about, but have or we should talk about. Um... First, I think, was probably the most recent of these. Brian DeLunis, the uh, University of Missouri pitching coach, just died a couple days ago. Um, Was 46 years old. Had a battle with kidney disease. Um, Had, was actually, was just named in June, was named their, Mizzou's pitching coach for his second time with them. I believe he worked with them before and then left to go work with the Mariners and Mets and then came back. Um, this, this, I mean, it's just a, it is a tragedy that, that he was taken so soon. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. A lot of people here were upset about it with, uh, because of what he meant to a lot of people here. He was a really good pitch, uh, good pitching coach, just a really good guy. And it's unfortunate because he's taken too soon. So another death was um, Andres Melendez, who is an Indians catching, or sorry, Guardians pitch, catching prospect, um, was only 20 years old. So he's younger than we were, than we are, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, was an international signing with the Brewers. It's, it's still not known how he died, supposedly. So I, I'm, or at least it hasn't been publicized. So I don't know what that is. But I mean, either way, it's, it's, it is unfortunate that he, I mean, that all these guys, I mean, every death is unfortunate, it's, I mean, in its own way. Um, not in so. I mean, every death is unfortunate. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's, it's just sort of become a more common thing for people to talk about now. Yeah, it's pretty sad. It's really sad. Kimara Barte also passed away, who was the Tigers' first base coach. Played six seasons in the majors, um, was f- 49 years old, and uh, died from a large brain tumor. Was a uh, reportedly a really great guy. R- worked well with um, with the players. Was just a, a great guy for the organization. Yeah, it's another unfortunate loss. Too soon. And then our our last one is uh, Gene Ramirez, who is a Rays bullpen catcher. Um, only 28 years old and reportedly died from suicide, which that that just makes it even more tragic in my eyes. Yeah. Um, played in the minors with the Rays from 2016 to 18 before becoming a coach and was their bullpen catcher the past few years. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, all, all of these are, tr- are tragic losses. I mean, it's, it's, it's all – they're all – Things that we we wish we didn't have to go through. Yeah, it's a really unfortunate loss. So, everyone, just please make sure you're getting help if you need it, especially with the about the last one. And so we're gonna take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll discuss some uh, some more some more happy events within baseball, including some. Um, a groundbreaking accomplishment. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back after this. 
in Colombia, KCOU 88.1 FM. Hopefully you have a groovy time. Tune in to High and Tight with me and my co-host Logan Perone as we catch you up on the latest signings, trades, news, scores, and highlights from around America's pastime. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. on the 88.1 FM stream and on our website, KCU.FM on the Blue Box. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat. But I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Oh, man. All across the nation, we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together. It feels good to be out there to assist our community. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. KCOU, we're just normal enough to appreciate Drake's cultural relevance but just weird enough to make a sweeper like this. KCOU. KCOU. Welcome back to On Deck Circle. I'm Michael Lavitt with Adam Rosen. So, Adam, there were there is a lockout going on, but yet teams are still able to hire managers and general managers. So there were a couple new managers hired since since the last time uh, we had we had we were on we had our show. Uh, Mark Kotze was hired by the Athletics, and Buck Showalter was hired by the Mets. What are your thoughts on both of those? I don't know about Buck Showalter. It's been a while, and my last true memory of him as a manager, I mean, was put it, not using Zach Britton in a clear, needed moment, and then having a pitcher throw the dumbest pitch of the maybe the worst pitch of all time. That yeah. might not have been his idea. Well, either way. That's just my last memory of him as a manager in the major leagues, because the the, the worst pitch of all time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the wildcard game against the Blue Jays. Yes, the Orioles actually used to be in the playoffs recently. So, believe it or not, <laughs> to people who don't I believe know that, that was 2014. Or, no, it was earlier than that. It was like 2017, wildcard game, I believe. Or no, 2016. 16. Sorry, yeah, you're right. 16, yeah, 16. Because I was I was watching that with my I was visiting my brother at school and I was watching in the hotel. That's how I know it. And that's how I remember it, because he threw a pitch. I don't know, Ubaldo Jimenez, maybe, right? I believe that's who was well, pitching, yeah. He threw a fastball straight down the middle to Edwin Encarnacion, and, uh, well, the Baltimore Orioles have not made the playoffs since that. In the 10th inning, too, I believe. Whatever it was, it was. I know it was extras. It was just. I think, the, yeah, and the only pitcher left in the bullpen was Zach Britton. That and that was, and that was the year he he was allowed like four earned runs the whole season. Yeah, he was ridiculous. Had like a what, what was it like 054 ERA or whatever it was. It was insane. Oh, I know. Well, it's just kind of it's a little fun. I think he got some Cy Young votes. I'm guessing. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Fact. Check. Yeah, I I feel I feel like I mean Showalter knows New York. I I don't know I. The, the Mets' last couple managers didn't really have didn't have experience, and so it, it, it not only were they trying to learn on the learn on the fly a little bit, but they were also sort of dealing with the the big market of New York. Whereas Showalter, not only is he not a first time manager, he's been in New York before. He used to coach the Yankees, um, so. I mean, he knows what it's like to coach in New York, granted, for a different team. Um, but he's also, he's coached for, I mean, I mean, he's 65, but I mean, he's been coaching since the 80s. 
So I mean, he's he's been coaching a long time. Oh yeah, he's been coaching um, for a while. Yeah. Um, I feel. I mean, a lot of people I think are talking about how he might not necessarily be able to adapt with the modern game, which I. I don't. I I think that's a little. Um, a little too soon to say that, considering he hasn't managed in a few years. And, I mean, at least give him a shot to, I mean, at least give him a few months of the season before you say that. Um, I, I, you shouldn't say that without actually seeing what he can do. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not against it. I'm just not, like, for it. I, then again, I don't really know what other manager candidates there really were going to be. Yeah, I, I I think Joe Espada might have been a good. Exactly that, that, that's I think that would would have been a good hire. Stop, stop reading my mind. <laughs> uh, it's literally exactly what I was going to mention. But I don't know. I think Katze was a good hire though by Oakland. Um, I mean, he's been not only I mean he used to play for o- for Oakland. Um, has been a coach with them since 2016, was a bench coach in 16 and 17, and quality control coach in 18 through 20, and then third base coach this year. So he sort of bounced around, um, and they're hiring from within. So it's someone who knows the players, knows the organization well. It's not someone who's jumping, coming in from outside and immediately has to start. You're starting fresh. I mean, Katze already knows, he knows the system that the A's, the A's use. So it, it's... That that I think was a, was a really good way to sort of keep keep it going, especially after Bob Melvin, who was, I mean, the longest tenured base manager in baseball, um, left to be the Padres manager. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that was, I think that was a really good move by Billy Bean. I think so too. I totally agree with you. I'm intrigued to see what happens with yeah. uh, those two teams, especially with the A's likely looking to trade. Guys like Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, possibly others, but who knows? And and the Mets just they just signed a bunch of guys too. I mean, they're gonna try to go for it again. Um, I mean, they still they still need some pitching. They lost Marcus Stroman um, and Syndergaard, who was hurt for most of the year. Um, they did sign Scherzer though, so they have Scherzer and then Degrom if they're both healthy. I mean, that's a pretty good one-two punch in the rotation. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Showalter manages that and tries to sort of avoid overworking them too much. Yeah, I, hope, I, I do hope they don't overwork the guy. But I know one guy the Mets didn't green sign. Marcus Strowman. Yeah. I wonder who he went. No idea. It would be a shame if he went to the Cubs. Just kidding. It's great. I love it. Ha, ha, ha. I'm happy. We got we, the Cubs did something uh, that actually happened a while ago. So, <laughs> I believe we discussed that. I know I'm just discussing the Yankees. <laughs> I'm happy. Yankee. Uh, I'm trying to think though. Like, I mean, the Athletics are looking to trade those guys eventually, and obviously we know the. But we could talk about. We'll talk about those later. But speaking of teams, they might be trading with. If they do, the Yankees had did something really incredible. Well, a Yankees employee did something really incredible. Rachel Balkovich. Balkovic? I, I think it's Balkovic. I think. I don't want to mispronounce her name. I apologize yeah. if I did. She made an incre- did something incredible. She is the manager yeah. for the Yankee in the in, a, in the Yankees uh, organization. The first female manager, I believe, in any of the American professionals baseball leagues. Yeah, affiliated professional baseball. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And she, yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Got the experience. She knows what she's doing. I believe she was a hitting development coach or something. Yes. Yeah. Hitting coach at their rookie level club this past year and is now going to, um, is now going to be their, their coach at the low A uh, team. Yeah. It's awesome. Super cool. She totally deserves this. She's got the experience. She knows what she's doing. She's been all over uh, baseball. She worked for the car. She's actually a strength and conditioning car. To coach for the Cardinals, uh, minor league affiliate in Tennessee, for a little bit, she won strength coach of the year actually that year, 
She um, also was hired by the Astros to be their Latin American strength and conditioning coordinator. Learned Spanish for the position. So she obviously knows what she's doing. She can communicate with players very well. She was also the strength and conditioning coach at Corpus Christi for them. She went. She has two master's degrees. That's cool, too. She, that's awesome. That's, a, that's super cool. Oh, yeah. She also worked with um, Jason Dominguez, the Yankees' top prospect. Sorry, number two prospect. Um, although he's been one of the – basically an up-and-coming star for – the past few years. I mean, he signed when he was 16. Um, and so he was at the rookie level club and then was promoted to low A, which she's now going to be managing. So she might be working with him again, which I, which would keep that development going. I mean, I mean, Dominguez really actually, um, he, he, he really has a good future. And I mean, I'm part of that to do to Balkovic. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah, it's it's that. This is definitely something that I feel like should have happened earlier, though. I feel like there should have already been a female coach in ba- or manager in baseball. I. I mean, I feel all the major sports leagues are kind of behind in that, though. I feel like, um, baseball just had their first new uh, female general manager last year. Mm-hmm. And Kim Aang, Kim Ang, yeah, for the for the Marlins, Marlins, yeah. Mar- oh my lord, <laughs> me and me and she used to work for the Yankees. What is uh, the Yankees? No, the Ma- Marlins. No, the Marlins. <laughs> what? What? Trump? I don't. I I'm fine. I promise, guys. I'm doing. I'm all right. I just don't know uh, how to pronounce things. We're, do- we're we're all right. We're doing we're doing good here. We are thriving. But, yeah, no, I mean, that's awesome. Like, that's so awesome. She totally deserves it. She's earned this opportunity. She's done a great job. And I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a, a great opportunity. I mean, not just for her, but to, I mean, for, I mean, thousands of women across the country to see this. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, know that they can do it, too. Yeah, I love that. That's so awesome. So, so now switching gears a little bit. Um, the Orioles reportedly are moving their left field fence back. Oh, poor Glaber Torres. <laughs> he can't be a, he can no longer be a, a merchant of, uh, Camden Yards. Or Camden Yards, right? Yes, it is. I always forget. It's been so long since I've talked about baseball. That, like, that ba- big thing to have in baseball. I just need to know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Glaber Torres can no longer be a merchant, uh, uh have, uh, his... Good stats come at um, against the Oriole at Baltimore, and also it's going to be interesting to see how I believe Mountcastle deals that in left field, but he doesn't have to worry about labor tours anymore. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just Mountcastle who would have to deal with it. I mean, it's it's a it's it it's makes everyone who feels it. Yeah, um, everyone who feels there, everyone who who hits, who's a right-handed hitter at Camden Yards. Um, and I mean the the ballpark was it was pretty hitter friendly before this year. So they're trying to sort of even it out. Um, they're also making the wall twice its its original height, so they're going to make it taller, so not as many balls can go over. Um, it's being pushed back twenty six and a half feet into the seating area. That is that's taking out a lot of seats. Oh yeah. Um, I guess they don't fill the stadium up anyways. So. The distance to the foul pole will still be the same the same distance though, three hundred thirty three feet. But true left field will be pushed back to three hundred eighty four feet. Oh my. So yeah, that that's a that's a big that's a big difference. You can't win games, you gotta prevent teams. Yeah, I mean I mean that should help pitchers too. I mean John Means should be better with that. Um and I mean and he's not the only one. I mean any Orioles pitcher, any pitcher who who comes who appears there, I mean and Anyone who plays in a game there would would, would presumably see the difference, most likely, um, because there's just more room for the left fielder to actually catch the ball. I'm just I'm 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 intrigued to see what happens because obviously we know the Orioles have been brutal, but maybe just maybe maybe they'll be good again. 
Yeah, this takes out about a, a thousand seats in left field, which is actually a lot. That is a lot to take that's, out at one time. Ooh, that's not going to go over well with fans. That's probably not going to go over well with fans. Actually, I want to see what their fans are saying. <laughs> I did not know it was taking out that many seats. That's a lot of seats. Let's see. When did this... Oh, here we go. Um, how much are you trying to take out the left fielders? <laughs> oh, oh, my on. The Orioles GM actually compared the new, the new left field area with um, PNC Park, which is where the the Pirates yeah, play. A weird one. I want to go. Yeah. So yeah, that would be a cool park to visit. Almost, we almost went a few years ago. Just ended up stuff happened, so we couldn't. Yeah. Someone said making tickets harder to get on opening day, and someone says, like, there's much demand right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Baltimore's not good now, but I mean, they they have some good young guys who could. Um, could be a part of their future. I mean, Trey Mancini was good. Um, they Mountcastle. Um, who am I forgetting? Oh, that's gonna look so weird. Cedric Mullins. Yes, thank oh, you. Man, I knew I was forgetting look someone. So weird. They posted a, like a three D uh, anal- like a rendering. Yeah. yeah. It looks so weird. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. It honestly doesn't look that different. I don't know. It just feels weird. They're cutting a whole chunk of gra- chunk. Yeah. It just feels weird because now there's just that weird angle. Yeah. I mean, it'll definitely take some adjustment for anyone who's played there before to sort of get used to the new way of doing it. Um, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, but whatever. I mean, I I think I think it, it should help the Orioles, honestly. I mean, it, their pitchers gave up a lot of home runs there last year. Um, spe- I mean, specifically to left field, their home, their pitchers gave up a lot of home runs. So I think if they lower that number, I mean, then there's more of a chance that, I mean, if they keep the ball in the park, there's more of a chance that it's hit towards a fielder where someone can catch it. Not saying the field yeah. should be 500 feet to center field, but we want, it. <laughs> we want, we want polo grounds again, <laughs> 500 dead center. If someone goes 500 dead center on you, you have to retire. That's the rules. <laughs> I think that's fair. If someone hits one to dead center at polo grounds on you, is that what you're saying? You have to retire. You can never play sports again. You have to just retire from public um, appearances. You can never go out in public again. Change your identity. <laughs> you have to move to uh, another country, start your life over, change your name. And you'll be the first pitcher to, pit- to throw there. Oh, yeah. We got this. Throwing to uh, Mike Trout. Or just, honestly, yeah. <laughs> if I pitched, if I had to throw, throw, throw a pitch against any major league player, they would take me 600 feet. Oh, yeah, 600 dead center, no question. Any pitcher, anybody in baseball would take me dead center. I don't care how, if they're the least. Oh, probably. If they have the least power in the league. They, it would definitely be a homer. They would take me. Unless they pull it. Even then, they probably still would. Imagine no, I'm saying they could pull it to either left or right field. You don't know that's going to go to center. But Imagine me tro- throw- Why am I saying throwing? Throwing to Shohei Otani. I mean, that ball would be that ball would be in another universe. That ball would actually open up a, uh, uh, a wormhole. I mean, but also, the faster a ball is coming, usually the farther it goes. So it, it might not actually go as far as you would think it would. Because if you're not throwing it as fast, then when it leaves the bat, it's not going to be coming as fast, most likely. So to get at the same distance, they would have to, the batter would have to have more, um, more power, put more power into it. Fair. Either way, they would still destroy me. I feel like they would destroy anyone who's not a like professional least, baseball at player. Least decent, at least college level. Yeah. I mean, they'd probably still destroy college level. You know what I mean? <clears throat> How do we even get on this topic? I don't know. Do <laughs> you think we should head a uh, break for a little bit, and then we'll get back uh, and talk some pretend? Maybe we'll talk some transactions that actually did happen because they are still allowed to happen, sort of. Some are, yeah. Some are, yeah. Um, and then about a little, a little fun discussion to wrap stuff up. And we'll talk about how the Cubs are going to sign Carlos Correa because the Yankees won't, and they stink. <laughs> um, 
With that, we will be right back. We have a break to take, and we'll be, yeah, we'll be right back. Stay tuned on 88.1 FM for more On Deck Circle. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Hartman. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals. Delivering food, supplies, and medicine. Keeping communities safe. Making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. Beep. You reached KCLU. Please leave a message. Thank you. I am from Drumheller, Canada. Uh, I took part in recording a funny song, a parody of Tom Jones' song, Delilah. Uh, it's funny because it's about a bowl of pasta. It's called lasagna. I'm wondering if I could send you an MP3 of it. Um, could you please get back to me? My number is called lasagna. Hi, I'm Theron Denson, the Black Diamond, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. On Deck Circle here on KCU 88.1 FM. I'm Adam, across from Michael Levitt, as always. So, Well, we just got on talking about a lot of changes around the league in terms of just front office and weird, ugly designs of baseball stadiums <laughs> and how I would get taken 600 feet dead center by any baseball player and by any MLB player right now, um, as for most of us. But, you know... Fun times. It would definitely be fun to see you pitch to Bartolo Colon. He would still probably take me dead center. Maybe not dead center. He would still hit a home run. Probably. I mean, he's strong enough. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I mean, I think the when he hit his home run, on, uh, I believe it was actually on Mother's Day. Uh, I mean, we all know is he had the power to do it. It just never, he just never got the contact. He, he, you could tell he clearly has the bit, the, the strength. Yeah. If he man. makes if he makes contact, you would think he would. Yeah, he's a that's a big man. It's sort of like um, sort of like Joey Gat. Well, Joey Gallo, Giancarlo San, one of those some of those guys who, if they hit it, you pretty much know it's gone. Giancarlo San never hits though. Okay, Aaron Judge. He's on the Yankees. And he stinks. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm annoying Yankees fans. Uh, cause it's fun. Um, that that gives you um. Gives me joy. Yes. <laughs> my my the my misery of being a Cubs fan right now gives me joy. It's fun to take sh- uh, shots to other fan ba- other teams when I even even though I definitely shouldn't be when my team's terrible. Although we're signing Carlos Correa, obviously. Um. Let's see. So international signing day started. Um, started. Um, I believe just January. Second, ever, some sometime a couple weeks ago, um, and runs through December fifteenth, so it goes b- almost a whole year. Um, pretty much, I think you have to you have to be at least sixteen years old to sign. I believe. I don't think you can be younger than that. Um, and MLB.com's top fifty um, international prospects all signed already. Um, yeah, I mean it's there's there's some good talent here. That's definitely a lot, and players are getting paid too. I mean, number number one prospect got four million dollars. Mm-hmm. Number two got almost five. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's 
Yeah, and some of the guys who I, I looked at that I were, was intrigued by, uh, Alexis Hernandez, who is the younger brother of Cubs prospect Christian Hernandez, Christian Hernandez. Um, another guy who I really did like in this class. I thought he him signing with the Cubs was – I think a lot of people expected that after all that, but I'm really happy that he did because I think he's a really good prospect. He got – he also reminds me of Alex Rodriguez, at least with his swing, but I don't know how he projects at a short time because he is he's young, so he'll probably figure out a lot of things, but he's tiny, so he's not tiny, he's just really skinny and his throwing motion at short's not great, but who knows? I'm really excited though to see what he does. Yeah, I mean there's a lot there's a lot of good players who have potential. Um Pirates actually ended up with uh two of the top twelve international prospects. They got number eleven and number twelve. Which is a little surprising. I don't know. I say they do go into the international signing market. It's just to see them get guys who are ranked that high was a little. And how long until they trade them? <laughs> Kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not annoyed. I, I like annoying them. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. Good for them. Very happy for them. Even though I'm not because I don't like them. But, um. <laughs> I think a guy definitely to keep a, keep an eye on is Oscar Colas, who signed with the White Sox. That was an expected one too, because but he also they called him the Cuban Otani. Right, that's why, yeah. Hit, but he's also, I believe, the oldest of these guys. He's twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he 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 is a little more. Well, he's, actually, he's a little more proven than most of the others. He's actually no longer pitching. Yeah, I mean he he has pitched in the past. Actually, threw up to ninety five miles an hour. Um. Yeah, he's only an outfielder now. Although, yeah, in 2019 in um, in Japan, hit had a 302 batting average, 350 on base percentage, 516 slugging percentage, and hit 11 homers. So, I mean that that that's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty impressive to see what he's able to do. No, oh, yeah, he's also been compared to a young Juan Soto. Well, that's always a comparison you like. Yeah. It feels weird to be able to compare someone to Juan Soto. What's wrong with me? Juan Soto, who is really young, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not much older than Colas, honestly. He's just sort of. He's more proven in the major leagues because he came up so young. I, I, I think Colas could probably go pretty quickly through the minors, though. Yeah, especially because he is older, so he does have a lot of that experience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's there's there's definitely a lot to to like with him, as far as what he can do. I mean he's good as a fielder, has a strong arm. I can I can see him being the being a right fielder for the White Sox. Have Eloy in left, Luis Robert in, Robert in center, and Colas in right, or maybe put Eloy at DH if you have a different left fielder. But I mean anyway, I mean I I th- I think that would be a good, between Robert in center and him in right. I think that would be that would really help the defense. Oh yeah. Um, uh, it's an intriguing signing, obviously, one they needed to make. Oh, yeah. Well, White Sox are, are typically pretty active in the international signing market. Yeah, I heard they signed another guy a few years ago named Fernando Tatis Jr. I wonder how that guy worked out. I like the White Sox, but I'm making fun of them because it was an awful trade and it made no sense. Even then. He's, he, to be fair, he hadn't even played a game for the White I Sox. I know, but the point is they signed a really highly to- uh, highly thought uh, free agent international prospect and then traded him for a guy who hadn't even been good, who hadn't even been remotely decent in several years, and it never made any sense to me. Even then, it didn't. I mean, Tatis was like 16 years old at the time. I know, that's the thing. It never even made sense to me. Like, why not at least try and see what you have in the guy? Yeah. It never made sense to me back then, and it obviously doesn't make sense now. Oh, right. Just kidding. Who's that for I don't know if that guy ever came out to me. Hey, they have his brother, though. The White Sox could have had Marcus Semien, Tim Anderson, and Fernando Tatis Jr. in the same infield. Yep, and they also signed, actually, I believe they signed his brother a while ago. Tatis? Yes. What was it? Uh, they might have, yeah. I'm going to find his name. And, uh, his dad played, too, though. So, I mean, he has the, he has that working for him as Elijah. well. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that, yeah. Elijah Tatis. Yes. And he's a shortstop as well, isn't he? I think so. Oh, that didn't help. That didn't help. Uh, his brother is an infielder. It just says infielder. Okay. 
But, yeah, I mean, intriguing signing. I like the Oscar Pro signing. It was one of the ones that a lot of people expected, at least on MLB.com, said it. Yeah, I... That was that was like one of the main one of the top guys. I mean, not not just. I mean, MLB ranked him as their fifth best international prospect. But considering how old he is and how quick he should be able to move through the minors, that was probably one of the most intriguing ones. I thought. Yeah. Yankees, of course, got the number one prospect. Of course they did. Another shortstop too. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, they'll need a good shortstop because they haven't had one in like. Long time. Well, they also have Anthony Volpe in the minors, yeah, who's like top fifteen prospect in baseball. I can't think of the last Yankee shortstop that was great. I mean, there was that Jeter guy; he was all right. He was he was decent. I'm only saying this to annoy some uh, annoy Yankees fans, so because I know they love it. I know they totally enjoy when I. Glaber Torres was good. He's solid offensively. He's a Oriole. He's a he's a Camden Yards merchant, and he's no longer going to be anymore. But. <laughs> Speaking of the Yankees, they might trade for the wrong mat on the Athletics. At least the mat that a lot of their fans don't want. See, I think this one would fit them a little better, though. Because if, if you... So I guess they supposedly had discussion about acquiring Matt Chapman to play shortstop. If that happens, I mean, that... that because Matt Olson would basically create a logjam at first base between him and Luke Voigt. Although I think that uh, the belief is that they would trade Luke Voigt. That's okay. the common belief. So I guess that would free it up. But Whereas, I mean, they're looking for a shortstop anyway. So if they get Chapman and he's able to play shortstop, that would be a huge upgrade because I mean, he's a great defensive third baseman. Which, I mean, I mean, that does lead to the possibility that he could play short. Yeah. I mean, he probably hasn't in a long time, if he even has. So it, it, it's... it's they would probably need to know if he could before that happens because they're not going to trade for him and then find out he can't play short because then that defeats the whole purpose of the, of the trade. I mean, they have Gio Urshela at third. Who's, who's a, he's a good defender too. So, I mean, if Chapman's a good defender at short, I mean, that's, that, that's, that would be a really good defensive side of the infield. Mm-hmm. And then have Torres at second, Voigt at first, still have DJ LeMahieu to fill in wherever. Um... Yeah, I mean that, that that would. Plus, when Chapman when Chapman's on offensively, he's a really good hitter. He he obviously had a bad year this year, so I don't know if the A's would be willing to trade him. Honestly, I I feel like it. I mean, if they did, they would be selling low on him, and I don't know that they would actually want to do that. I I feel like if they waited, if they let's say waited until midseason this year or even end of the year, if he's having if he has a good year. They they could get a decent amount more for him. Granted, he would have one less year of contract control, but it, it would it would still be, you could still get a lot for him. I one hundred percent agree with you. It's intriguing to see what they're going to do, what's going to happen there. And I mean, it's possible nothing comes of this. I mean, there's the A's just say no, we're not trading him, and that's that. I mean, the Yankees don't even. Or they get to the doorstep of Carlos Correa and then just sign Andrelton Simmons. I think that would be so funny. And then the Cubs come in and swoop them up. That'd be beautiful. But I mean, I feel like that would be sort of... Sim- I mean, when they got Didi Gregorius to replace Derek Jeter, that's sort of similar. I mean, a... a, a actually... A, a de- de- no, I mean more of a defensive-minded shortstop. Yeah. Who's, who's decent offensively, but nothing... Don't tell that to the Twins, though. Nothing special, I guess. The Twins don't like Didi Gregorius. Because <laughs> all he does is rake on them. Although Scott Boris is now signed... Carlos Correa is signed with Scott Boris... Like, that sounded weird. Yes. I hired Scott Boris. A lot of players, actually. Yeah, Dylan Cease, I believe, did. Jonathan India. Yeah. I also believe too. that... Uh, Which, that, that's all pretty far in advance. Cease yeah. is eligible for arbitration in a year. India is still two years away from arbitration. I also think uh, Gunnar Henderson did on the Orioles. Orioles prospect, yeah. A lot of people have. So, I mean... It's intriguing. So... I do wonder what they're going to do there. Boris also represents a couple other guys on the Astros. He didn't explain. I don't think Correa explained why it happened. He didn't really give an explanation. He didn't want to answer that. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely interesting um, just how many guys are doing that. I mean, Correa, 
prior to the lockout was asking for 330 to 350 million dollars. So with 330 being the minimum, which I think is fair considering how much money Corey Seager got. Corey Seager got 325, and Correa is a lot better. I mean, he he stays healthy more, and he's just a lot better. And Correa's defense, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, and younger, he's younger too. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are gonna hate this take, but I think Kapoor is actually pretty decent for baseball players, at least, because he gets players what they deserve, what they want, and they earns their money. He doesn't. If you're a baseball player and you can hire any agent, you should hire Scott Boris because he's gonna get you the money you want. Yeah. So. The only the only downside is sometimes he does sort of tell players, okay, don't take an extension, um, and instead try to make it to free agency where they can get more money. And sometimes that doesn't work out. Yeah. So I mean, it just sort of depends. Obviously, I mean that doesn't necessarily happen that often, but uh, I mean, I mean that is something to sort of be aware of if, if you were a player. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that is – you sort of have to weigh it and sort of – I mean, you you don't have to necessarily agree with Boris if he says, okay, don't take the extension. The player can still take the extension if he wants to. People don't want to admit that, that players don't work for agents. Agents work for players, and agents are going to do what the players ask for. Yeah. I mean, if, if the player has an agent – and the agent says, okay, like recommends not taking it, but the player can still decide not to go with the recommendation. They can still take the extension and tell, tell, either tell the agent, okay, we're going to accept it, or just go to the team and say we're accepting it. I mean, there's, there's other ways to sort of to make sure that the player does what they want so that they're not listening to the agent all the time. It'll be interest, interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. It, w- it would be, I don't know, I, I'm, I would sort of be wondering how much more money Boris could actually get Correa. Yeah. I mean, compared to if he had stayed with the, his agent he had, which I believe was um, uh, William Morris Endeavor, which is uh, only recently got into representing athletes and supposedly bought several minor league baseball teams so that could um get rid of their certification with the players association. So I mean that that could be part of why he went with Boris. Yeah. But with that, we will have to sign off for the rest of the day. We will talk to you guys next week. Hopefully something even small happens with the lockout progress. But for now, we will talk to you guys later.